Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground. The three spooked girls. Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite gal pal, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today, we are going to be talking about a case that Tara and I have followed for a while. We did on a live stream, and now we're wanting to put it on the main feed for you guys because it's such a good case, and something just happened in it as well, so it's a great time for us to to talk about it. So we're going to be talking about the Slenderman case. Yes. It is still, like, for those of you who don't know this case, it is a true crime story. I had mm-hmm. forgotten that it was true crime and tried <laughs> to put it under paranormal, and Tara was like, no, no, that's wrong. <laughs> but it is a true crime story. <laughs> But before we get into that, if you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to th- at Three Spooked Girls on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we have a very, very active Facebook group. We just finished Secret Satan, which is one of my favorite times of the year. I've loved seeing all of the different boxes that people got. It's so much fun. We also have a book club that our mods put together and it's really great. And, you know, it has helped me like meet my quota for books this year, like mm-hmm. with my my goals. I'm like, okay, I don't know what to read next. Read the book club book, (laughs) that kind of thing. And we also do our discussion threads. So if you're wanting to discuss the episode that you hear and you want on a way in your opinions, definitely head over to that group because you can do that there. If you want to participate in the Facebook group, it's Three Spook Girls Official and just head on in there and join. Make sure you click accept because that's how we will accept you in that you agree. Otherwise, you're just going to get left on red. Sorry, peoples. Mm hmm. If you want to help support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash three spook girls or in the show notes, there's a link. You just click Patreon and it takes you there. And for little as a dollar, you get a bonus episode and then $5 and up, you get video content. There's a lot of really cool things. There's some swag things that happen. So you definitely want to check that out. Before I hand it over to Tara, who's going to tell us the background of the story and everything like that, I will tell you the drink of the week. When I do my part, I will be mentioning a link to Harry Potter. There is a part of it where he who shall not be named (laughs) is brought up. So I found a drink that is a Death Eater cocktail. It is called Death Eater Smoke Cocktail. So I'm really excited about that. It looks really fucking fancy. You know, if I tried to make it, I would like it up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's cool. If you want that recipe, definitely head over to our Pinterest. It's on there. It's going to be cool. It has a lot of fun ingredients. It has tea in it too, Tara. (gasps) Yeah. And triple sec and lime and some tequila. So, you know. All the things. Yeah. 
It has active <laughs> charcoal. It's going to be fantastic. You definitely are going to want to check that out. Imagine if every crime could be halted before it happened. Well, while you can't stop every criminal in their tracks, what if you could deter them? That's what the Simply Safe new wireless outdoor camera does. It's wireless so it can install anywhere, extending Simply Safe's perimeter of defense from your windows and doors to the far corners of your property. That's right, Simply Safe, the system that US News and World Report names best home security system of 2021 just got even better. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech to help keep you and your family safe. It has an ultra wide 140 degree field of view so you can keep watch over your entire yard. It has 1080p HD resolution with an 8 times zoom. That means you can zoom in and see things clearly like faces and license plate to capture critical evidence. Ooh, that's nice. To learn more about the exciting news Simply Safe wireless outdoor camera, visit simplysafe.com/spookedgirls. Simply Safe is offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll with the interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com/spookedgirls. Now I'm going to hand it over to Tara and she's going to tell us the background on this particular crime. Yes. Okay. So I do have a little bit about who Slenderman is. So Slenderman, he is an internet urban legend, and his story originated from Eric Nudson, aka Victor Surge online, on a forum called somethingawful.com. And he had submitted, I think it was two photos, one being with a bunch of children on like a dirt road and him being in the background, Slenderman being in the background. The other one is of a girl posing on a ladder of a slide at the park with a ton of kids and he's just there in the background as well. With the first, it was captioned, we didn't want to go, we didn't want to kill them, but it's persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comfort us at the same time. And then it has like the date, 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. I'm like, oh, of course. <laughs> presumed dead. <laughs> presumed dead. We have the film, just not the person who shot the photo. Right. And the second one that says, one of two recovered photographs from Sterling City Library Blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slenderman. Deformity cited. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. Deformity cited as filmed effects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. And it says, dated 1986, photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13th, 1986. And these photos, because it was like a contest type of thing, is what started the Slenderman craze. Okay. And yes, these aren't actual photos. This is like made up shit. <laughs> Think creepypasta. Oh, okay. I was like, wow. <laughs> like... Really specific. <laughs> no, no, no. Now, there's there's tons of stories on him out there. So obviously things vary, and I'll get into that in a minute. But if you're unfamiliar, his appearance, he's described as being between 7 to 10 feet tall. His skin is pure white, like paper, and he wears a black suit. And his fingers are really creepy. They are extremely long. And he's also said to have these, like, tentacle-type arm things that come out of his back. Now, stories of him typically share a common theme of him stalking, abducting, or traumatizing people, typically children, and... 
the idea of this entity just like went viral. So there's tons of art, there's items on Etsy, there's a movie, creepypastas like I mentioned, and video games. There's a version of him that pops up in Minecraft, and there's an actual Slenderman video game. It's called Slender the Eight Pages. It's creepy as shit. I played it a long time ago. It's definitely a fun one though. And as the story goes, it grows, it evolves, people add more shit into it, you know. On that forum that I mentioned earlier with those photos, there was a user named Throw Up, but it's like T-O-R-E-A-U dash up. So I'm like, <laughs> I like it. So witty. <laughs> Who created a folklore story set in 16th century Germany involving a character. I'm not going to even try to say it because I, I don't know how. <laughs> but it implied that this was supposed to be an early reference to Slenderman, which is interesting. Okay. And it just it exploded like it's everywhere. And this is what will lead us into our case. So our case takes place in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And the three main people in our case are children. Their names are Anissa Ware, Morgan Geyser and Peyton Lutner. Peyton went by Bella. So I kind of use it interchangeably, but just so you know, Bella equals Peyton and vice versa. So Morgan and Bella originally had met in kindergarten, but they became best friends once they got to fourth grade. In an interview after the case, Bella said that she saw Morgan sitting by herself one day and that she knew she was having a hard time making friends. So she decided to go up to her and be her friend, you know? That's a sweet little girl. Right. That's so sweet. And I will say, I'm, I'm sure most of you probably have, but if you haven't, definitely watch the HBO Max documentary on this. It's called Beware the Slenderman. It's a lot of good information, and we see a lot of the court proceedings. And then Morgan and Anissa's parents are in it, too. So, you know, just gives us another eye view, basically. So Morgan is described as having been an upbeat and quirky kid, according to her mother, that she always walked to the beat of her own drum. She didn't really care what others thought about her. But something to pocket for later is her mom mentions an incident when Morgan was little. They were watching Bambi and she said she just showed no empathy when Bambi's mom died. She just shouted to the TV, get out of there, Bambi, save yourself, and was like, no sadness, no nothing. Like I said, pocket for later. And mm -hmm. she also liked, seemed to like scary things. Nothing too crazy because her mom just chalked it up to, you know, normal kid stuff. She's like, I was obsessed with Stephen King when I was little. So like, you know, same, same, what have you type of thing. Makes sense. And if her mom's interested in it, I'm sure that it was around her. So yeah. So on Peyton slash Bella, obviously we can already tell sh sweet kid, right? And there was footage of her in this documentary with a poster, and she was selling cat snacks, like cat treat things. Mm -hmm. So she was like always trying to do stuff like that. She was said to be a huge animal lover. No spoilers, because most people know this case, but if you don't, she survives the attack. So sh she's still alive. But I did read after this happened on her 13th birthday, she went and visited an animal shelter. And I'm like, so cute. Right. She just sounds like the cutest little kid and sweet soul so much, you know? Well, flash forward sixth grade, we're going to jump two years. This is when Morgan and Bella meet Anissa. And according to an interview Bella did post-attack, this is when things kind of went downhill. Which kind of reminded me a lot of, like, the Skylar Niece case, you know? Yeah. Like, these two cases remind me of each other all the time. They're very similar. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, on the outside, Anissa seemed like an average 11-year-old girl. You know, she was in choir. She loved pink and her cat, Tiger. 
And she told one of her friends named Maggie that things had been going well at the new school and that she was making lots of friends, that boys liked her, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But in reality, it was the complete opposite. She was bullied a lot. Mm. And she did have a hard time making friends until, you know, Morgan and Bella kind of took her under their wing, so to speak. And then this is when, once they started getting closer, that they'd kind of see there was more to Anissa than met the eye. Bella would say that shortly after meeting, this is when Anissa started talking about Slenderman and telling them about it. And even though she found it kind of weird and she was like, it's kind of frightening, to be honest, she just went along with it because she's like, well, that's what Anissa likes. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to be an asshole about it, that kind of thing. And as their friendship continued, the talks of Slenderman increased between Morgan and Anissa. There's also a component to this urban legend that I haven't talked about yet, is that Slenderman has proxies. And these proxies become minions, essentially. They are under mind control or influence to perform his wants and needs via his telepathic abilities. Those wants and needs being creating and manipulating objects, destroying and leaving evidence, creating videos, and responding on Twitter. I'm like, okay, that's random. And influencing victims as needed. Along with this, there's also a ranking system. So it's like it gets even more complicated. So there's Hallowed, which is mindless puppets created by Slenderman for harassment of runners with no other purpose. Berserkers, most closely resembling the traditional perception of proxies slave to the Slenderman, but with enough of their own will left to have superior problem-solving tactics. Three, the sleepers. They have their original personalities kept intact, but they are left unaware of their status of proxies. Sounds kind of good. Well, I guess the name makes sense. And four is agents. They are not proxies in the traditional sense. Agents appear to be the blogosphere's interpretation of cultists. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, nice. (laughs) And then the last one is revenants. These are proxies with super strength and regenerative abilities granted to them by Slenderman. Eventually become unpopular with bloggers and basically are kind of like written away as hallucinations. Got it. Yes. And the way you become a proxy depends on the version. One is that he selects you. The other is that once you're being stalked by him, you have to prove your loyalty, which is by killing someone. And it said that proxies are taken to the Slenderman mansion to live there with him. And in this case, the girls believed that the mansion was in Nicolette National Park. And as we find out later, Morgan and Anissa had a conversation about being proxies for Slenderman back in December. And they completely planned out killing Bella to show they were worthy, and Anissa had been quoted saying, I was excited because I wanted proof that he existed, because there were a bunch of skeptics out there saying he didn't exist, end quote. And the important thing to realize is this planning started five months before the attack. That's a long time. That's almost half a year. That is. And they would talk about it often, and they were said to use code names in public, so like nobody was like, what the fuck? You know, like, so for knife, they said they would use cracker. For killing, we would use words like itch. So I'm like, they really thought all of this through big time. So flash forward to May 30th of 2014. This was Morgan's birthday and Bella and Anissa had come over to celebrate and to spend the night. So that day and evening, they spent their time at Skateland, and it was said that they were laughing, having fun, you know, like no red flags, no tension, anything like that. 
Now, this was their original day that they had that they were going to attack Bella, but before picking up Bella, they packed a backpack with clothes, granola bars, water bottles, and a photo of Anissa's family. She said she didn't want to forget what they looked like when she was living at the Slenderman mansion. And the plan was they were going to stab her to death, cover her up in bed, make it look like she was sleeping. And after this, Anissa and Morgan would dip out to go be with Slenderman. And obviously, they didn't think through with this plan. In an interrogation later, Morgan said that she wanted Bella to have one more night slash morning that they didn't pick her Slenderman did. So the next morning, Bella was the last one to wake up. The other two were up earlier and on the computer. Once Bella woke up, they had donuts and strawberries and they asked Morgan's mom if they could go to the park to play. So obviously her mom says yes and they head out. And as they're walking, Morgan shows Anissa a knife that she had taken from the kitchen and it was hiding in the waistband of her pants and under her jacket. So Bella had no clue. Well, while they're at the park, the three of them go to the bathroom. Apparently, this was plan B. They were going to kill Bella in the bathroom and just leave her body there. They go in there and Anissa tries to tell Bella to go to sleep. (laughs) And she said the reason for this was because she didn't want to look her in the eyes when she was getting murdered and she couldn't handle screaming. But, like, even if she's asleep, she's going to wake up and start screaming if you stab her. Just saying. Right. But they're not, like, <laughs> fully frontally lobed, <laughs> developed. And they're well, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this makes exactly. sense. They're- you can't feel things when you're sleeping. Right. Exactly. And Bella was just like, uh, no, what? What the fuck? So when she's protesting about this, you know, she gets her head bashed on the concrete by Anissa because she was trying to knock her out at this point. She tells Morgan that she needs to do it now, a.k.a. stab her. And Morgan is said to break down and said she can't and she's crying. And then Anissa's there comforting her. After this, they head into the woods to get Bella away from the road, basically. They tell her that they were going to play hide and seek. And once they got into the woods, Bella said in an interview that, quote, Anissa told me to lie down on the ground and cover myself in sticks and leaves and stuff to hide. But it was really just a trick to get me down there, end quote. And it was because once she got to the ground, Anissa said to Morgan, go ballistic, go crazy, a.k.a. attack Bella. Morgan tackles Bella and then whispered in her ear, I'm so sorry, and then stabs her 19 times. Oh, my God. So many. Mm hmm. And it's noted that Morgan missed a major artery by her heart by just a fraction of an inch, which is insane. Right. And both girls would say that Bella just yelled, I hate you. I trusted you and kept saying over and over again that she couldn't see. And the two's response to this was to tell Bella to stay laying down (laughs) so she didn't bleed out as fast and that they were going to get help. But obviously they weren't. Their plan was, you know, to run off to this mansion, which the national park they were supposed to go to is like a five or six hour drive. So way longer to fucking walk. (laughs) It's crazy. Right? Now, while that's going on, poor Bella, she ends up moving to an area where she could be seen and a man named Greg Steinberg was out on a bike ride and he spotted her and she told him she had been stabbed and, you know, like get help. So he does, thankfully, and an ambulance arrives and they rush her to the hospital. Now, poor Bella was in surgery for six hours, and two of her stab wounds had hit major organs. Her liver and stomach were both damaged. The one that had punctured her chest near her heart, they say literally was like a miracle. She didn't die. Dr. John Kellerman, who had, you know, been there and stuff, he said, quote, if the knife had gone just the width of a human hair further, she wouldn't have lived. So, like, that's crazy. When I'm saying close call, it's a fucking close call. That's insane. 
I know. And meanwhile, while this is going on, Anissa and Morgan, they ended up traveling about 4.9 miles, and they were found by police on Interstate 94 and, of course, brought in. They had, before this, though, stopped at a Walmart to try to wash the blood off them and the knife, which they placed back in the backpack. So, I mean, these girls are 11, though, so I'm not surprised Mm -hmm. that they didn't, like, try to dump it or anything, you know? Well, it also makes sense, like, if they're like, if we get away, like, if we make it to the mansion... We're good. The knife will be with us, and then they can't find it. But if we leave it in the Walmart bathroom, someone might find it and fingerprints and all that stuff. Exactly, exactly. And all of these details I just went over came out during their interrogations. Again, the doc. It shows us a lot of their interrogations, and that's kind of what gives you the best understanding for how they acted because we literally just see it. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And... Jess is going to get into more stuff, but Morgan shows no emotion. She said, quote, it was weird. I felt no remorse. I thought I would. I felt nothing, end quote. While Anissa was very visibly distressed, both girls believe that Slenderman was a million percent real and that this sacrifice of Bella was necessary. And while the girls were at the police station, they said they started digging into their personables and investigating and stuff like that. And they found a lot, including notebooks in Morgan's room with a bunch of writing and drawings about Slenderman. Alongside some of the drawings were phrases such as, I want to die and help me escape my mind. They also checked the internet history of both girls because they were always on their iPads. And there was a lot of sketchy and really dark things Anissa had watched and commented on from Slenderman to animal cruelty and just a a bunch more. There was also literally thousands of searches on how to get away with murder and what kind of insane am I? A lot of lot of stuff going on. Right. So after all of this, both girls were charged with attempted first-degree intentional homicide and taken to West Bend Juvenile Facility. And with that, I am going to hand it to Jessica. So like Tara said, the documentary really does a good job of kind of like showing you how the girls acted. And I mean, it kind of was interesting when I watched it and I watched Denise, a lot of it felt really like performative in a way. I mean, obviously she fucking knows she's in trouble because she's sitting in a police station being interviewed by cops without her parents. But that was just my takeaway. I don't know if that's how you felt about it. Yeah. And then I think Morgan just like, I mean, if, You look back, like her mom said, like she watched Bambi and just didn't have that like connection of like, oh, Mm -hmm. somebody died. I should be like sad. And I mean, that kind of leads into another aspect of it is are these girls obviously they have some sort of like mental health issues because they believed. And I don't the way I want to say this, like, I don't think if you believe in Slenderman that you have mental illnesses, but they believed it so much that they thought if I kill my friend, I'm going to go live this life that I really want to live. And one of the things that that was really interesting is in the documentary, they interview, I think it's Anissa's dad. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the iPad and how the iPad was the problem. The reason they got her the iPad is the school had told them it's the best tool for them to do like schoolwork and stuff on. And he just like blamed her being having access to the internet. And I think that the question that not the question, but like the statement that should be made is no, like you should be monitoring your child's, you know, what's happening. Exactly. Cause I don't think it was like deleted history. They had to like yeah. pull up. It was just like, I'm pretty sure it was all there. Yeah. They just like <laughs> clicked internet search history and it was like, well, here we go. 
Because again, they're 11, 11, 12. They're not like 100% understanding how to like delete your Google search history or, you know, use incognito. (laughs) So Morgan would be evaluated twice, essentially. So her story is going to be a little muddled because it's going to be like right now, like in August of 2014, when she first gets evaluated, she is found to be incompetent and can't stand trial. Mm -hmm. And like, I think her family felt really good because then she was going to go to a like mental health facility and get treatment. And then we kind of we talked about this on another case when we talked about the Lori Vallow case. And especially when you're a teenager and you go into the the mental health system to be like institutionalized when you become 18 they reevaluate you and then we'll we'll get to that <laughs> in a little bit but essentially if this is the case she could walk free so like i said she was during her hearing morgan was seen to be fidgeting and playing with her hair she would like pull at her restraints she would like pull her hair in front of her head like, I don't know, it, just, it says, like, she pulled it in front of her face, like a, like a strand of it, which then immediately made me think, like, was she doing mustache face in court? Mm-hmm. Which I'm making mustache yeah, face for Tara right so. now. <laughs> and I was, like, looking down just listening, and I just, like, saw it out of the corner of my eye. It's a little different now. Like, if I still had my dark hair, you'd see it a little better. <laughs> the blonde kind of fades into my whiteness a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. So two mental health professionals gave testimony for Morgan, and this is why the judge, who was Judge Michael Boren, he said that she wasn't fit to stand trial. One of them was Dr. Brooke Lundbaum. Lundbaum? And this doctor evaluated Morgan on June 18th, 2014, and said that she had unusual behavior, that she would sometimes start just like having nonsensical ramblings, and some of it was inappropriate, and she would basically get to the point of like near hysterical laughter, and then she would be like confused. So it was all kind of like, it was all very disturbing. He said that Morgan... I don't know if the doctor is a male or female. This individual, I'm sorry, guys, this individual, they basically said that Morgan believed in the Slenderman as much as she believed in unicorns, and she believed Lord Voldemort was, like, a real person. She kept referring to him as Voldy, which Mm -hmm. is why I picked the drink I did. Yeah, because of the tag. And then she also (laughs) believed that she had Vulcan mind control, which I'm like, this little girl is very nerdy. I mean, I appreciate it and I get it, but like no one was checking what she was doing and like reassuring her that like, you know, Harry Potter is not a real universe yeah. as much as I want to go to Hogwarts. Yeah. One, I'm too old now, but <laughs> the other <laughs> thing is like, yeah, no one was checking in and making sure that there was reality. The other doctor who would evaluate her was Dr. Keith Robbins, and he basically the said, said the same thing, that Morgan told him that she had to be careful about what she said about Slenderman because he would know and he would harm her or her family, which I think is a big part of, like, the lore of Slenderman. Like, if you don't do what Slenderman mm-hmm. says, he'll hurt your family. So, yeah. So, both of the doctors were like, these are serious charges, but honestly, she can't stand trial. One of the things I was interested is when the judge asked her if she was competent to, like, help her lawyers, she just shrugged. She was little. I mean, she's young, so. A good thing, not a good thing, but, like, one of the things that came out about the same time is that the governor, Governor Scott Walker, decided that August 13th was going to be Purple Hearts for Healing Day, and it was basically, like, in honor of Bella. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that was a good thing that happened, basically, 
they were having people send like cards and letters and like raising money because like Bella had a lot of I mean, she was stabbed fucking 19 times and almost almost died. So she had a lot of medical expenses. Right. So they were trying to do a fundraiser, which I was like, that's really cool that it went as high as like the governor of the state to be like, we need to take care of this young girl and her family. Anise would also go under evaluation. And I don't think like what's weird is that they don't really seem to like give her right away like they did with Morgan. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, she's, you know, she can't she can't stand, you know, like or they it wasn't the same kind of like quickness with it. At this point in time, in September of 2014, basically Peyton or Bella went on like national like news so like people are meeting this girl which is why i think it's so sensationalized is because this little girl i mean th- it's a crazy story yeah 100 percent. the area that tara and i grew up in it was nothing to see, it's nothing to see teenage girls like hanging out together in like little clumps you know unsupervised and you know in small towns that happens and i know a bunch of people right now are like small towns there was a thread in our facebook group about small towns because we're like <laughs> yeah they're like eight thousand less than eight thousand people and people are like ah, oh, yeah there's like 1500 people in my hometown and i'm like what big me right and i was like well technically the town i lived in it did only have like 1500 people ish and Actually. it only had one stoplight and it was put in me. after i moved Actually. Actually. <laughs> Sorry. That's how I felt about that. I was like, you guys don't know. You don't know, but they know. Uh, They know now. (laughs) Yeah, I always remember like driving to the town that Tara lived in and being like, oh, I'm going to the bigger town. It has more than one grocery store. (laughs) Barely. (laughs) Technically, if you consider like some of the smaller, like there's the Hispanic grocery store, there was four, and that was always better. Mm-hmm. better stocked with snack foods in my opinion <laughs> sorry i digress okay <laughs> also peyton's or bella's mom went on tv as well and they kind of were promoting or not promoting they were sharing the story and they were talking about like how they received the call basically how they found out about it was a plainclothes detective walked up to their door and like asked like hey are you Peyton's mom and you know she was like holy shit yeah and they were like something has happened to your child I can't even fathom Mm. what this mom went through and her name is Stacy oh my god and so she then had to call her husband and she said this is what she said she said this is what I said to my husband I said Morgan stabbed Peyton you need to come home because he was like gone I think he was, like, away, like, on a fishing trip or something. Mm-hmm. i trying to think of, like, what you would be, like, in that mindset of, a like, getting that call. Mm-hmm. I'd hope you'd have been oh. doing something that was at least enjoyable. So yeah. you weren't like, oh, I'm fucking doing my taxes. <laughs> and then this shit <laughs> happens, you know? Yeah. And then they had to tell, like, her siblings and everything like that, which that must have been so horrible. And they, like, rushed to the hospital. And, like, her mom is, like, on national television telling people, like, you know, Peyton was like white as a ghost and she was terrified and crying. And I just, I don't even know how you could do this. And then how her mom found out about how many stab wounds is she asked a nurse what happened, how many times was she stabbed? And the nurse was like, okay, I count 19. Oh and then a God. second nurse was like, I count 19 as well. I mean, that must have been like so fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Oh. So 
that is a crazy thing. But it also, I think, also helped because it brought, you know, attention. And I think it helped with Bella's financial situation around this. So I was kind of glad that that happened, that they were given the opportunity to share their story. Mm -hmm. And I think it also, like, probably woke a lot of parents up. Maybe we should check out our kids' friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back to the other two girls. In December of 2014, Judge Michael Barron, he basically at this point takes everything under new evaluation and decides that they're going to stand against their their, their charges. And he tells the defense, I'm setting a preliminary hearing for February. The preliminary hearing, they really went in, especially with Morgan. Morgan's attorney was like, she really believed in Slenderman. You know, he is a fictional character, but she was like brainwashed to think that he was real and that if she didn't do this, her family would get hurt. So really kind of playing that card. Mm -hmm. And then another blow to their case is that in March, they were basically determined to be able to be tried as adults, which that's fucking insane. Right. They're so young. But I honestly, this is like a bigger question because you have to think about the fact that like murder is murder and they had the wherewithal to like, I mean, Tara brought it up. Like she said it like they were like, oh, we're not going to kill her tonight. Mm -hmm. We're going to let her sleep through the night and then have a new morning and we'll go kill her at the park. Like that, it was and we brought a knife. It wasn't like they got into a fight and, you know, they were in the kitchen and one of them grabbed a knife in the heat of the moment. No, like they were like, we're going to fucking kill her. And not only that, we planned it for five months. Which they planned it for five months. So and they weren't long. very good at it. <laughs> I mean, they're 11. <laughs> uh. We've all had struggles with our skin, both Jessica and I included. Last time she talked about the wedding pimple gate that was happening. Yeah. <laughs> It was unfortunate. <laughs> yes. And I swear, every time before something important, acne likes to pop up, whether it's like family pictures, stuff like that. But thankfully, we have a solution that has been working for us. We are excited to be partnered with Apostrophe, the sponsor of this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz, which, by the way, does not take very long at all. It's Mm-mm. very it's very user-friendly and fast. Yes. So you take the online quiz about your skincare goals and medical history and then snap a few selfies and the dermatologist will create a custom treatment for you. Yes, 100%. And Apostrophe treats all kinds of stuff. They treat acne. They can help with other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. We have a special deal for our audience. Save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash spooked girls when you use the code spooked girls. This code is only available for our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash spooked girls and click begin visit. Then use our code spooked girls at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash spooked girls. And use the code SPOOKEDGIRLS to get your dermatologist-crafted treatment plan for $5. We thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. And it's also a long-ass time to go undiscovered. Yeah, exactly. You're telling me that at no point one of them didn't write down, okay, this is the day, kill Bella, and no parent was like, maybe I should look into this. Exactly, apparently not. (laughs) That was like one of the things that really kind of like watching the documentary Obviously, 
the parents of the two girls who committed this crime, they're being very like, you know, we love our daughters. We're hoping they're going to come home soon. We love them. We love them. We love them. And it's just like, in a way, it was almost delusional because, oh, they almost killed a girl. And they're actually very Mm -hmm. lucky that Bella didn't die because if Bella died, it wouldn't even be a thing. So they start going into, they're going to be tried as adults. This is what's happening in like early 2015. And then basically Morgan's family like is trying to get her out because they think they, I think there's this like theory out there that if you get the person out of like custody before the trial, people will think that they're a, a little more innocent, but they are denied because she is considered a flight risk because homegirl tried to walk a six-hour car drive <laughs> Jesus, with yeah. a few bottles of water. I don't really know if there was a change of clothes, but some granola bars. Not a lot of planning in that. And then the keep going forward, there's just a lot of things that happened. For one, the court's forensic psychologists evaluate Anise. They evaluate Anisa and they say that she's a very low risk of a future criminal path. And it's highly likely that if she sought treatment, she could actually be cured of whatever it is, like the delusion of the Slenderman. And that was what was holding her to it. Morgan actually gets more evaluated and they notice that she has a lot of characteristics of onset schizophrenia. So they start, they diagnose her with mm-hmm. early onset schizophrenia and it's genetic because they believe her dad also had it. And like, that yeah. was the thing that they never really he told did. her. Right. Exactly. This is a thing like I can say, like, <laughs> not to make it about me, <laughs> just now becoming my new catchphrase. But when I got sick, like a lot of people in my family, they don't talk about what's going on with them. And suddenly I'm like sharing my story about how I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And then that led to me being put on medication that basically made me insulin resistant. That made me have a diabetic episode. And I'm talking to my family members and they're like, oh, yeah, no, I have had similar things in my life. And I'm like, motherfuckers, why did (laughs) we not talk about this? And I mean, this is a big thing is that even within mental health, you have to like talk about it because otherwise, you know, I have nieces mm-hmm. who could also suffer from things like this. And you got to talk about things. It's just saying. Yeah, for sure. Like I mentioned earlier, they were being tried as adults. Their defense really tried to put them back into the juvenile court system. But basically, if they did, they'd only be in a juvenile prison for two years and then they would be like released into the community supervised when they turned 18. Which is not a lot. Mm-hmm. No. So th- they kind of do some more appeals. They're trying to like get the reverse waiver, which is that they're trying to, you know, get it out of the adult court. And they, they keep trying this over and over again. But they do have a successful win in the defense of Morgan. They got her transferred from a juvenile facility to an actual psychiatric hospital so that she can be treated for the schizophrenia. Then her mom comes out and starts talking about it and about how, you know, the mental health and then the juvenile laws all like a big clusterfuck and everything like that. So in September of 2016, so we're like two years, Mm -hmm. basically, from when they started this whole process of the legal process of it. Anise pleads not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. Then that doesn't work. So then she pleads guilty in an attempt of second degree homicide as a party to a crime with a deadly weapon. So basically, she took the lesser charge so that she could go to court and then be deemed that her mental state wasn't up to par to go to court, which didn't really Mm -hmm. pan out for her the way I think she wanted to. One of the things is 
at some point when they go to trial, we're going to have to think that Bella's going to have to face these two girls because, you know, you have the right to yeah. face your accuser. And she came out and said she was scared to, like, go yeah. in and face these girls. Oh. So basically, they're going to court and everything like that. Anissa, who was 15 at the time of her sentencing in 2017, is to be committed to 25 years in a mental institution. And so she would be released at the age of 37, which I just, it like blows my mind. I'm 35. That's two years away from me. (laughs) Yeah. She did, however, when the verdict was read, she got really shaky and she started crying and she just couldn't accept it. But she also had to realize that if she hadn't gone that way, she would have been facing a much, much longer Mm -hmm. sentence. Morgan was committed for 40 years, which is just, it blows my mind. So in February of 2018, she was committed to 40 years to a mental health treatment. And then she was going to be monitored after that. Um, So she was 15 at that time. So that's crazy. And I think it's like time served as well. Mm -hmm. Her attorney was like, well, Anissa gets 25 years. Why does Morgan get 40? And it basically Mm -hmm. boils down Mm -hmm. to the fact she did the actual stabbing. Yeah. And it was premeditated and all of that. I mean, she had she had a couple of opportunities just to walk away as well. Like when they were in the bathroom and she was saying, oh, I can't do this. She could have just been like, you know what, Bella, let's go. I don't want to do this. Yeah, exactly. Because Anissa, the thing I don't like is that Anissa was really kind of like pushing her and Morgan just right. did it. So if mm-hmm. like you want to take the Slenderman as kind of an analogy, Anissa was the fucking Slenderman to Morgan, who was her proxy. So which is sad. There has been some things that have happened in the case. Bella's gone on to 2020 and talked about what's happened. Morgan's mom has also done that as well. They've also been a part of the documentary. And they're really hoping that their appeals, I know Morgan lost an appeal in 2020 and that she was headed back into court. And there has been an update that has happened recently. So this is this article is dated September 10th, 2021. And today is in real time is the 27th. So this is 17 days ago. Anissa, who was 19, was released, Mm -hmm. would have been released by that Friday. Yes. And so she was released after only spending four years of 25. It's crazy. Which is just I'm my mind is blown because I mean, I was even looking at it like 25 years is a short sentence mm-hmm. for attempted murder, yeah. especially with a deadly weapon, especially with premeditation. And this is, I think, one of the issues that scares me about the the Lori Vallow case is because once you get into the f- mental institution side of criminals get in there, they're no longer part of like the actual justice system. They're mental health patients. Mm -hmm. If you're a mental health patient and you go to treatment and it's successful, you're released into general public. Yeah. Monitored, but still released. So yeah, the article says, what's so nice? And her friend Morgan Geyser lured Peyton Lutner into a park in Milwaukee suburbs following a sleepover in May of 2014 Morgan stabbed Peyton multiple times while Anise urged her on. And then they give the last sentence of it is, all three girls were 12 at the time. I mean, for me, this is insane that we're in 2021 and this girl, I can't imagine how Peyton slash Bella feels at this point, knowing that, I mean, 2012 is less than, is less than 10 years ago. 
And how right, are exactly. you like, how are you supposed to like, like how I wouldn't be able to sit with that. And I mean, I hope that Anissa has gotten help and that, you know, maybe now that she's out, she can prove that she's worthy of that freedom. But it's really hard for me to think about because there was a mm-hmm. little girl who was being stabbed by her best friends in the woods and probably thinks about that and remembers it and dreams about it all the time and will for the rest of her life and has and has to probably go undergo therapy and hard times but as of january of this year morgan is still in the system in fact she petitioned the supreme court which was denied but who knows now that anise is out they might I mean, because Anissa, from what I could tell, wasn't actually ever given a diagnosis other than delusional, you know, thoughts of delusion. More as like Morgan actually has like a legit diagnosis behind her. Mm-hmm. I'm really surprised that she has either she has really shit representation who can't work this angle or that community has it pegged. That kind of wraps it up for us. And this is one of those cases that Tara and I have like, as soon as she brought it to my attention, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely recommend watching the documentary. I forgot the name of it. What is it called again? Beware of the Slenderman. Yeah, it's really good. It outlines everything. You, If you want to hear the girl's testimony or the girl's interviews, I mean, you can definitely see that their children, mm-hmm. but you'll see the difference. How Tara said Morgan is just like basically like when's lunch, and mm-hmm. Anissa is very performative in her and her response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap that up today. We will see you back here next time. Bye, bye. bye.